0: I'm not sure this is a sermon. That's what I wrote down in my notes. I'm not sure this is a sermon. I wanna speak today on holiness. But I must admit, I am in such a posture of learning that perhaps all I can do this morning is ask questions and maybe attempt to sketch out some things that I'm learning about holiness. What is holiness? What does it mean to be holy? Can we be holy? We say God is holy. Uh, Then we see in the Old Testament, we see a place that God dwelled among his people in the temple called the holy of holies. That's, That's two holies. Then we look at the prophet Isaiah seeing the Lord, and all around him the angels singing, holy, holy, holy. That's three holies. It's also there at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation. John has what seems like a a similar vision to what Isaiah had. And around the throne of God there are four living creatures Saying, yeah, they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Then, of course, we have the word saints. Saints, um, which actually means holy ones. And, and, and what does it mean to be a saint? What makes a moment Holy. What is holiness? And church, does it matter? Does it matter? These are what I'm asking. These are the questions I'm asking on this topic. In the message resource this week, all right, so hopefully you pick one of these up and it's available online as well, I did my best to hit this directly with the clearest theological explanation that I could write about what it means to be holy and how we can think about holiness. But in this message, I'm gonna sort of be feeling my way. I'm not sure that I'm the teacher this morning. I'm the student in this. I'd like to begin with the same text that Pastor Brian Rice spoke from last week, one, at least one of them, Brian spoke about all the blessings that we have in Christ, do you remember that? In Christ. And he spoke from Ephesians chapter one, verse three through 14, and I just wanna look at verse three through four of Ephesians chapter one from the message. So can we stand? we stand together for the reading of God's word and I am going to read these two verses from Ephesians chapter one, verse three and four. How blessed is God And what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and, what's that word, church? Holy by his love. The reading of God's word. You may have a seat. All right, if you can get my time on the clock back there, that'd be helpful. Otherwise, I may just, you know, I may just not really know when to end. All right, for those of you who don't know, there's a clock back there that's like constantly going, and we try to stay within bounds. So here's what I'm learning about holiness I'm learning it might be different than what I had thought. If you look up holy in a Bible dictionary, you're likely to get a strong impression, at least from the Old Testament that being holy means set apart. That it's also very much to do with being on dangerous territory. You remember Moses? Moses, that man of God in the Old Testament, he met God at a burning bush, a bush that was burning and yet not consumed. And God said, take off your shoes, Moses, for you are standing on holy ground. Or around Mount Sinai, when God When the the people were told not to get too close to Mount Sinai because it was holy. But in the New Testament, there seems to be a bit of a a contrast, right? For one thing, when Paul begins his letters, Paul, the apostle, when he writes his letters, especially his letters to Corinth or his letter to the Philippian believers, he usually says in the beginning, to the saints, to the holy people. And of course, Jesus, John chapter 17, verse seven. Jesus is sitting at the Last Supper. You have that image in your mind, Jesus at the Last Supper with his disciples, and he says something interesting. Well, actually, everything Jesus said was interesting, but he's just about to consecrate himself or to sanctify himself. He's just about to make himself holy, and he wants his followers to be holy in the same way. Jesus is making himself holy, how? By stepping forward to his death toward the cross. The New Testament makes it clear that in one sense the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is the holiest thing that ever happened. And it takes place on on an execution device, in a refuse dump, outside the city walls. Holiness, it seems, in the New Testament is a matter of Jesus going right into the middle of the mess and the suffering of human nature. For him, holiness is being absolutely involved, involved, not absolutely separated. At the Last Supper, He was helping his followers understand that holiness is going into the heart of where it's most difficult for humanity. Jesus goes to where people suffer. Are you with me this morning, church? Jesus goes to where people are humiliated. Jesus goes to where they throw stuff out, including where they throw out people, other people. If we take this seriously, The Christian idea of holiness has to do with going where it's most difficult in the name of Jesus who went where it was most difficult. He wants us to be holy like that. Can I say that again? If we take this seriously, (laughs) the Christian idea of holiness is going where it's most difficult in the name of Jesus, the one who went where it was most difficult. He wants us to be holy like that. What I'm learning about holiness, and I'm learning, is different from what I thought. What I'm learning about holiness is there's no tension, really, between holiness and involvement in the world. On the contrary, the most holy, who is Jesus, is the most involved, the most at the heart, of the human experience is our savior, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Have you ever met somebody who had maybe had this air of niceness that they always seem to have but actually makes you feel bad when you're around them? You ever come around somebody like that? Like he's so nice you you could kick him, you know? In contrast, holy people are those saints that actually make you feel better about who you are. A holy person enlarges your world somehow. They make you feel more yourself. They open you up and they affirm you. When I think of people in my own life who I call holy, these are never people who make me feel complacent about myself. No, far from it but they usually make me feel that there is hope for my confused and compromised humanity. Anybody else ever feel compromised or confused? Get around some holy people. Get around people like that, people that help you see that God is big enough, he's big enough to deal with and to work with actual compromised and confused and imperfect people like you and me. Real holiness, I'm learning. Hmm. And as a man who spent some time, a considerable amount of time in fundamentalism, I've had to relearn so much about holiness. And real holiness, I'm learning, somehow brings to life this sense of, of opening up opportunity, of changing things. What I'm learning about holiness is it may be different from what I've thought. What I'm learning about holiness, oh man, this is is good. Holiness helps you start to sense some of the joy that God has in you. It does. Church, I'm not sure if you're with me this morning. My wife and I went to see Archbishop uh, Desmond Tutu speak, uh, who was so influential in ending apartheid in South Africa a whole generation ago. It was back in the early 2000s, we went down to Washington National Cathedral, and he was speaking, and I could tell, I could tell through his laughter and his self-presentation that this was a guy who could sense some of God's pleasure in him. I wondered what it would be like one day if I would, in the same way, maybe start to sense some of God's pleasure in me in that same way. Can you sense some of the joy that he has in you? Church, talk to me, can you sense some of the joy that God has in you? Saints are people who produce some joy around them. Holy people help us see the landscape with a new light on it. A holy person makes you see things in yourself and around you that you hadn't seen before. They enlarge the world rather than shrinking it. Jesus is the most holy one, and he, above all, changes the landscape for all of us, for everybody in this world, casts a new light on everything. Can I get a witness? You can't look at anything the same way after seeing Jesus. Church, you can't look at anything the same way, you can't look at anybody the same way after seeing Jesus. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, when we're in Jesus Christ, that's what Pastor Brian was preaching about last week, when we're in Christ, there's new creation, new creation, and nothing looks the same. So we're maybe to start, we're starting to glimpse a picture then of holiness. It's not an extra special kind of of goodness. It's not an extra special kind of goodness. It's about enlarging the world and being involved in the world. Holy people, however much they enjoy being themselves, are not obsessively interested in themselves. They allow you to see them, not, not so much them, But they allow you to see the world around them. When I'm around Dr. Freyu, who I've had the who I've along with so many at Living Word, we've had the honor of partnering with for partnering with for 17 years, was doing some amazing work in Ethiopia, in Addis Ababa, the capital, and in Sendafa, the town that we have invested so much of our love in. When I walk beside him, when I, am, when I am there in Ethiopia beside him, it's not really him that I notice. I can barely see him. But I notice the world all around him. Oh man, the world, when I'm with Dr. Freyu starts opening up all around me in ways I hadn't even been able to imagine. He allows me to see, not him so much, but forgotten people and marginalized people, and in doing that, don't miss that, don't miss this, in doing that, he allows me to see God. When I begin to see those forgotten people and those marginalized people, those, that's when I begin to see God, and that's the holiness radiating off of my friend, Dr. Freyu. That's the acid test for identifying where holiness actually is. It happens when you are not thinking about you, which is why there are no self-help books on being holy. (laughs) Becoming holy is becoming so overtaken (laughs) by the extraordinariness of God that that is what you are really interested in. And that is what radiates from you to others around you. And there's the catch. If you want to be holy, stop thinking about it. If you want to be holy, look at God. If you want to be holy, enjoy God's world and enter it as much as you can with love and with service. Who knows, maybe one day someone will look at you and say, you know, when I'm around them, the whole landscape looks different. Okay part two of the message that I'm not sure is a message. What I'm learning about holiness is it may be a lot different than what I'd thought. In the New Testament, we see something that we could call contagious holiness. Contagious holiness. Whereas a righteous person in the Old Testament would vigilantly avoid contact with people or objects or situations that may render them unclean. For Jesus, it was the other way around. Rather than being contaminated by the everyday pollution that was all around him, everyday life and death, Jesus went out of his way to touch those around him who were sick those around him who were stuck in sin, those around him who were bleeding or diseased or even dead, rather than being infected, he joined them, restored them, renewed them, received them, revived them, and his holiness is contagious. His holiness is contagious. What I'm learning about holiness is that when we talk of the saints of God, we tend to think of them as as superheroes somehow, right? We think of them as possessing this moral purity that the rest of us could never access. We admire them from a distance, but but we we could never really hope to emulate them. But there's a problem with that. There's a problem with associating holiness with the superheroes. This way of approaching holiness is to hold those type of people at a distance. And that could be kind of consoling, right? You know, lets us off the hook to an extent. I don't know, I could never be like that. I, don't, I could never be that way. So why, why, even, why even bother about it? When we think of saints in an unrealistic way, and don't forget, saints just means holy people, holy ones. When we think of saints in an unrealistic way, we actually make it a lot easier just to let ourselves off the hook to excuse ourselves from stepping into saintliness. And here's the deeper problem. We're sort of looking through the wrong end of the telescope when we do that. If we start by looking at ourselves, oh, that's a problem, because we're going to quickly get overwhelmed. Oh, I'm supposed to be a saint? Oh. If we look at ourselves, we'll start to think that being holy is about us becoming somehow bigger and better and more spectacular somehow. But that ain't it, church. Holiness is about God. It's about God. God is holy. And saints, the holy ones, are what they are because God is himself the holy one. Listen to Exodus chapter 15, verse 11. We got this on the screen, or we will. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Church, God is utterly unique. He is who he is. Scripture celebrates God's holiness, and that's the thing of it. He doesn't keep holiness for himself. That's the thing about our God. This holy God makes other things holy. Amen. This holy God makes other things holy. He, the Holy One, is a God who sanctifies, and above all, he sanctifies his human creation, you and me. The saints aren't perfect. Mm, Far from it. As you look across the history of the church, Saints are the troubled ones. Shaken to the core by the miracle of the gospel. Disturbed, obsessed with God's inescapable call. But above all, the saints of God, that is amazingly us, stand under a promise. In Isaiah's words, in Isaiah 35, it's, it's this, fear not, holy ones, behold, your God will come. He will come and save you. The God who makes us saints, who presses the gospel into our lives, is the God who comes and saves. And what goes for the individual disciples goes for the church itself. Every now and then in, in Christian history, maybe you've experienced this, a church tries to think up new schemes for making the church a holier place, which usually ends up making sure that some people don't get in, or some people who are in get out. We might think that a holy church is a place full of people a bit like me at my best, or a bit like you at your best. But when a church tries to become holy in that way, hmm it almost always ends up, and I can say this from experience, it almost always ends up an appalling mess, exclusive, anxious, and self-conscious at every turn. But when the church is taken over by the excitement of the extraordinariness of the God we know as Father and Son and Holy Spirit, while it goes to the places of pain and brokenness in this world, that's when holiness begins to radiate out of us. We start on a path to holiness when we look at Jesus and then we go exploring. Exploring where humans are, what their needs are, and how we can help. You wanna be explorers together, church? This is how we can be holy, just by looking at Jesus and then going exploring together where humans are finding out what their needs are and how we can help. I wanna end with a, with a story from a book by Andy Johnson. He tells the true story of a church in Bangladesh, a church in a caste society, and the people of this church were very poor, and they were a part of the lowest caste. And there were people in this church, it was a new church, there were people around them in the village that wouldn't allow the people who were in that church to drink from the well in the village, which was the only well well around with safe, drinkable water. So these believers in this church, in the lowest caste, in a church in Bangladesh, thought they'd try another well. Now it was a longer trek but they needed water, and as it turns out, this water ended up not being safe. And many of the adults in the congregation got sick, and some of their children even died. But through a network of churches, when they heard about this, some land was donated, and they built, they came and they, they, they built a new tube well with the very best and cleanest drinking water around for miles. And rather than excluding anyone in the village from drinking the water of this new well that was on church property, they invited all to come. They invited all to come, including those who had previously excluded them and perhaps indirectly contributed and been responsible for the death of some of their children. They invited all to come to the well, and as a result, some of the very people who excluded them decided to join their congregation. Some of those very people who had excluded them decided to receive Jesus and to be a part of their church. And they had a celebration service to dedicate the well to the glory of God. And that's exactly what happened. Everybody gave glory to God. It was a way that they were able to reflect the character of the God who provides life-giving blessing, even while we were his enemies, even his own enemies, as a way of engaging in, in a peacemaking practice to reflect the God of peace. And in that action, it was a display of the holiness of God to those around them. This was a holy act done by people who were made holy, how? By their God. And that's what we're called to do. If I could continue with that metaphor, we're called to share the well. Are you with me? We're called to share the well and to reflect the character of our holy God in all situations of life where it seems to be that the the, the way to respond maybe is, is to retaliate or whatever. Jesus Christ changes us from the inside out. When we're in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit changes us and changes our imaginations to the point where our hearts are changed and we unlearn old patterns of acting and we participate in the mission of the Holy God. Where are you at today? As we come to a close in this service, where where, where are you at? Are you new to all of this? Maybe, maybe you're brand new to all of this. If you are, hey, this, by the way, if you're new, it's the same thing for you as for anybody who's been around for a long time. If you're new, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus who came and lived and died and rose again and ascended to his father in heaven for you. Just accept him in your life by placing your faith, your simple faith in him and you'll be saved by grace through faith. He will save you, my friend, and he will sanctify your life. Turn you into one of those saints. In a minute or two, Kendall's gonna come and lead us in communion. Let me ask you, church, where are you at? Where are you at? Are you ready to follow Jesus down that path to holiness? Where we look at Jesus, and then we start exploring. Exploring where humans are, what their needs are, and how we can help. It's just that simple. You wanna be explorers together? That's what God invites us to do. Does holiness involve struggle? Yes. Is holiness just individual? No. It involves all of us. Are we gonna bump into each other along the way as we go down that path? Yes. And if we let him, if we let him, our holy God is gonna subvert our notions together of what we thought was holiness. And he's gonna invite us to keep our eyes on him and to follow him into the most difficult places all around us. And as we follow him, we can look around at each other and see the saints of God and realize that you're one of them. Let me pray and Kendall Kendall will come. Father, thank you for the way that you are going still to those most difficult places and that in those most difficult places, you found us. Thank you that you're inviting us to follow you. Today, we want to follow the consecrated one, the holy one, and in the process, Lord, maybe, maybe we'll see that we are also saints. In Jesus' name, amen.